0: As you've already heard this morning and as you already know, 2020 is a, has been a year like none other in a long time. We don't know what 2021 holds for us, but it looks like it's going to start pretty broken with COVID all around the world, with the restrictions from COVID, with unemployment and political turmoil and plenty of other problems. And one of the things about Christianity is you don't have to pretend You can look at life and see what's there and know that God is there as well. I'd like to begin this morning by reading to you from a devotional by Paul Tripp that I read recently. And I believe that the first part is true for all of us. He says, and I quote, You want to be sure. You want to be secure. You want to have hope. You want to live with courage. You don't want to be weakened by fear or paralyzed by doubt, or filled with the anxiety of wondering what's next. You want to know that you're not alone. You want to know that you will have the resources to face whatever is coming next. You want to have inner peace. And I think that's true for all of us. But then he goes on to say, the fact of the matter is that in a world where things break, die, get corrupted, or otherwise fade away, Surety is only found vertically. So we want to be sure, secure, hope, courage, not alone, peace, all these things. He says you only find it vertically with God. Well, shortly after I read that devotional, I read these verses in Colossians, which is a prayer and it's what we're going to focus on this morning. So remain seated. Now let's read together Colossians 1, verses 9 to 14. Let's read together. according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now what first caught my eye in these verses was the word endurance in verse 11, where Paul says, may you be strengthened for all endurance. But the more that I looked at the verses, the more I saw. It is loaded with truth. It is truth that humbles us, it frees us, and it shouts the greatness and goodness of God. And this is a prayer that we can pray for ourselves for others every day, many times a day if you need to, and not just for 2021. Now, the first thing to, to recognize is that Paul is writing this to Christians, to Christians at the church in the city of Colossae. Now, we're all born spiritually contrary to God, even if we are religious. Left to ourselves, we do not naturally depend If we believe that God is left to ourselves, we're more likely to actually make demands on God or to accuse him of not listening or not caring because he didn't give us what we asked for. A Christian turns to God asking for rescue, for hope, forgiveness, and more, but only because God is working in their lives. Now, if you look at these verses you'll notice that Paul's prayer is in a passive form i can tell you being i really did not care that much for grammar and all that kind of stuff but i found in especially in seminary and going through the language that it becomes very important and paul puts this in a passive form he prays that christians may be filled that Christians may be strengthened, which means that God is the one acting and Christians are the ones receiving and we're the ones who benefit from what God does. And so this passive form of this, prayer, the Christian life should be characterized by dependence on God. And you notice, I didn't talk with Jesse about his theme for the songs, he talked about relying on God not just every once in a while, but every day, all through the day. So Paul begins by praying that Christians be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, the will of God here is referring, I think, very little to knowing what's going to happen in the future, and very much more referring to what God has already told us in the Bible about how he wants us to live. Most of us think, and I know I have at times, that we want to know, wouldn't life be so much better if we knew what the future was going to be? Well, I can tell you that looking back at my adult life, I think if I had known many years ago what has happened, what did happen, I would have been overwhelmed. Because some of what happened was very hard and difficult. Now, God doesn't leave us guessing what his will is, how he wants us to live. God tells us in the Bible how he wants us to live. And I want to give you two summaries of this, if you put the slide up. The first one, love God and love others. Now, that's the really short, short version. What Jesus said when he was summarizing the whole law and prophets, the whole Old Testament. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is, love God with every part of your being and then love your neighbor as you already love yourself. Now, this first summary connects with our motto, church motto, side by side, living every day side by side with Jesus, loving God, and then with others, helping others and being helped by others. The second one, grow to be more like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus perfectly loved God, and loved others. So that means that our desire, and Jesse talked about this as well, that we grow in our spiritual, in our Christian life, in our motives, in our desires, in our thinking, in our actions, and our words becoming more like Jesus. Then Paul continues. He's praying that Christians would be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now this is Relates, this connects us, points us to the wisdom and the truth that God has given us in the Bible. And again, I'm not sure who said it, but again, this was not planned. God's ways are not our ways. When you look at what Jesus said, he said, the way to lasting life is death. The way to prominence is serving others. This is backwards to human wisdom. So, write this one down. A Christian is called to unlearn human wisdom and to learn God's wisdom. We're called to unlearn human wisdom. That, is, that even means the things that we naturally think are good and right and learn God's wisdom. Now, you might think, oh, well, I can see a person who grew up, never went to church, never thought about God, years and years, and then they finally become a Christian. I can see why they need to unlearn. But you know what? All of us, every single one of us, are naturally contrary to God, and we naturally focus on ourselves. So even a person who grew up in a Christian family, has attended a Christian church, and has avoided many of the big sins, still has much of self to unlearn and much of Jesus to learn. And you know, to, to be frank about it, and it's an indicator, there are times where I just get tired of trying to do the good thing and the right thing and to, to listen to, to, to God. And when that happens, it's sometimes God will kind of pow on the head. Well, well, gee, Mark, think about it. Well, what are you doing right now? I'm wishing that all of life would center around me. Then wouldn't life be so much better? No, it wouldn't. So then Paul goes on to pray that as a result of being filled with the knowledge of God's will, that is how he wants us to live, and being filled with spiritual wisdom, so we're learning from the Bible, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now the word walk means to live so he's praying that we would live in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, if that's all he said, we'd kind of be left guessing. But that isn't all he says. Paul then goes on and explains how we are to live fully pleasing God. Now, if we're honest, on our own, none of us fully please God. But The beauty of a relationship with Jesus is that he did fully please God. Jesus also obtained through his death and resurrection forgiveness for all of our selfishness and sinful rebellion and our failure to keep God's law and he credits us with his obedience and then in a way that we cannot fully understand, Jesus makes a Christian's attempts at obedience fully pleasing to God. Jesus makes us acceptable. Now this is, take it for what it's worth, a picture from, if you guys remember the movie Rocky, and he says, I got gaps, you got gaps, talking about his girlfriend. Together we don't have any gaps. Okay, poor analogy, poor analogy, but you, know, you guys know I like movies. Jesus completes us fills in all the gaps, makes us acceptable to God. We see something related to this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Jesse was right that Paul sometimes talks in, most of the time, in rather flowery language and with very long sentences, you know, sticking in phrases and running after ideas. He, here, here's Paul's writing to the Christians at the church in Philippi. And he wasn't with them a long time, some weeks, and then he basically had to leave town. And he says, Now I know that you were, you were obeying, you were trying to follow. What the teaching we gave you, trying to follow God while I was there, now that I'm gone, you know, I'm hoping you're going to do even more. It's kind of like the teacher wonders when they step out of the room, are the students going to do what they're told to do? He's saying, are you going to follow? I want you to follow, even when I'm gone. And then he says, work out your own salvation, that is, put it into practice. You've been taught how God wants you to live, so do it. Put it into practice with fear and trembling. Now, I don't believe this fear and trembling is from terror. The idea that God is going to smash us if we mess up. So we always have to be looking over our shoulder. All right, Is God going to get me? Did I, did I mess up too much? Did I do the right thing? Did I do it good enough? No, I think this trembling is from a desire to please God. You're wanting to be so careful that you want to do the right thing, that you want to please God, that you want to copy Him out of a love for God because you see how much God loves us. But notice, too, in verse 13, it says God is the one who works in each Christian both to will, that means to choose, and to work in a way that's pleasing to God. He doesn't say, here's what I want you to do. Here's your list. All right, get to it. Let me know when you're done. You better do it well. And he's there standing with his arms crossed, a frown on his face. He's tapping his foot. I'm waiting. Come on. Give it a program. No, that is not the picture at all. God says, here's how I want you to live. I sent my son Jesus so you could see how I want you to live. He actually completely, perfectly lived the way I want you to live. And now he's working in you if you're listening and depending To complete everything as you try. That's an amazing picture. That is, do you see how that is so different than this idea that all God did was create us and stepped back? God created us. He sustains our lives. He's the one that keeps us breathing. He's the one that rescues us. God is the one that helps us. God is the one that completes us. And the more you think about that and realize that's what you see in the Bible, that's what you see in life, it it changes our perspective on God. When when he says that he is for us, that's almost an understatement, that he is for us. And then Paul goes on and he prays that we would bear fruit in every good work. Now he gives us a word picture. He's painted a picture with words. Imagine a fruit tree in the desert. But this tree is planted by a stream and so it has water year round. All around the fruit tree everything else turns brown in the dry season but it is still has healthy leaves and fruit growing all of the time. says it will bear fruit. But notice he doesn't just say that you're going to bear fruit and the fruit is what you do. He's praying that you would bear fruit in every good work and I believe he's now talking about the way that we do what we do elsewhere in the New Testament we're told do everything as to the Lord now if you've been working in the in the the working world long enough you've seen people that they are so diligent when the boss is there looking but as soon as he leaves the room whoo it's like a switch just went and they're gonna back off and relax and try to take it easy and do what they want. As soon as he walks back in. Oh they're busy again. That's the eye pleasing thing. This, this verse in, this, in the New Testament is saying. All the time. Recognizing that God is watching. All the time. That we are working. In this kind of way. So that means. That your motives and your attitude matter. It matter when you're, wa- when you're washing the dishes and doing homework, and mowing the grass, and working at your job, and living life with your family and neighbors, and helping others, but he's still not done. He prays that we would increase in the knowledge of God. Now, I started to say, and I've got in my notes, this has little to do with head knowledge or book knowledge, and I realized, no, that's not right, exactly. We do need to study the Bible, Because God reveals himself most clearly to us in the Bible. And most of us don't study the Bible enough. But if we do read the Bible, that's where we stop. We don't take the next step in terms of connecting the Bible to life. So in terms of life experience, the longer you live with someone, if you're paying attention... The more you understand the person, the more you see patterns in their thinking and speaking, the more you learn what they value and what they enjoy. So the longer you and I live in close relationship with God, the more we begin to understand God's heart and his motives. The more that we think in the direction that God thinks, the more our choices are gonna match his values. So yes, we need to read the Bible and study it so we know who God is and what he says, but then the other part is connecting it so that we're living life with God. But he's still not done. Paul says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, that word power there is resurrection power. It's creation power. How did God create everything? He spoke and out of nothing came matter. He spoke and there were plants and animals and fish and birds. When it came to man, he made the body out of dust. Then he breathed into him breath of life. This kind of power. And Paul is praying, may God work this kind of power in you and me. And what we see, as we see life in light of God's word, is that no one can live the Christian life without the strength that God gives, and it's only God that can give it. Now, the other thing about this power is that it is not a power that enables us to do our plans, but a power that enables us to obey God. At least that's the way it should be. But we end up, misusing it. You see, as creator, God gave life to all mankind. And not just some people, but all people, including you and me, ignore God and use the life that God gives us to pursue our own plans. Now, for some people, that is their life, their entire life. For a Christian, when we chase after our own plans like that, we've turned away from God, we're not listening to him anymore, we're ignoring God, and, and we end up doing that long enough, we distort our view of God. He gives us power so that we, instead of offending the God who made us, can be in relationship with him, where we're depending upon him, we're responding to his love with our love. And so Paul prays for endurance and patience and as I thought about that I said, you know, this is both encouraging and discouraging that we can have endurance and patience, but I don't think I'm alone in wishing that the world wasn't so broken, that I'd actually need so much endurance and patience. The truth is, not only is the world broken, but you and I add to the brokenness with our own selfishness and rebellion. And so God is the one who gives us power to endure while we're on this earth. And he gives us power for patience with joy, which means we're not just supposed to grit our teeth and put up with the mess. God calls us to love him, to love others, to keep on giving with joy. And the best way to find that joy is to remember and recount all of God's blessings to us every good thing that we enjoy. And Paul doesn't leave us, again, without something here. In verse 12, he gives us a pointer. He says, give thanks to God. Now, and that is not the only place. You see it over and over again in the Bible. The the call for us to give thanks to God. Why? We're broken people living in a broken world, and even if we're progressing in these things that Paul has talked about, that we're, we're studying the Bible and we're beginning to live life more with God, it's still so easy to be discouraged. So easy to be discouraged. And why does that happen? So often it's because we've, we've got our picture of the way life ought to be and it's not. How do we counter that? We, can, we choose to give thanks to God, which means you don't wait until you feel like it, you choose to do it. And then Paul gives us some things to thank God for. He talks about an inheritance. God promises an eternity in heaven with him, which means, if you understand that, that means this life is preparation for heaven. And in heaven, sickness, pain, sorrow, death, our own selfishness, it's all gone we can perfectly enjoy God and then he says he that is God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the son of his beloved uh, kingdom of his beloved son in Jesus we have the forgiveness of sins so here's God acting for our benefit but again this is really big. This is amazing. This is life-changing. But in our twisted human nature, so often we want to downplay it. We want to claim, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. I, I need a little help. And God says, no. No, you need rescue. You need to be rescued from yourself. Our, rescue, our need for rescue is huge. And so God has done this. You see, without forgiveness through Jesus, nothing else matters. A person, can, a person can be the best person, kindest, most generous person, do all kinds of wonderful things, but if that person has refused to turn to God and Jesus for forgiveness and for, to be made right with God, they're gonna spend eternity separated from God and punished by Him. With forgiveness through Jesus, everything else changes. Everything changes. Let me finish with a little bit more of that devotional that I began with. And here's how it ties in with this prayer. As you and I embrace this prayer and we are saying, God, would you help me to see more clearly your will, how you want me to live? Would you help me to see more clearly your ways and what's pleasing to you? Would you help me to see how you're already showing your love and providing me and for others as you do that then here's some of the consequences you don't have to hide or play act which means we can admit our fears and failures because we're loved and accepted by God you don't have to fear that you will not have what it takes because your Savior gives you all that you need to do what he's called you to do you don't have to worry that you'll be left alone because your Savior has made you the place where he dwells. He's put his spirit in us. He's closer than our very breath. You don't have to live with regret because all of your past sins have been forgiven by his grace. Those are truths for us. And today we celebrate Jesus' gift to us in his life and his death and his resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for doing everything needed to reconcile us to yourself. We thank you that in this broken world with all kinds of brokenness, that you are good, you are perfect, you're loving. You've done for us what we need. You've provided forgiveness and reconciliation Through Jesus, Lord, help us to see your great love now as we celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection, amen.